Um, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Ooh, you get, you're the first people to see the Christmas lights up. Come on, how about that? Yeah, Troy hung those light balls outside. He and another guy all week worked on it. They did an amazing job. And our chief elf, Chelsea Cox, was in here. There she is over there, uh, decorating all this, instructing people. I, uh, I have to say, as I was looking at it, we should have pulled it out further. What do you think? The Christmas tree a little bit further. I can't. I already tied it to the screen up there, remember? <laughs> so um, we were here for a long time, but uh, so thankful for all of the people. It wasn't just Chelsea. There was other folks in here as well helping out um, to do that. And, and we will have, uh, as soon as we have electricity to the courtyard, we'll have lights in the courtyard. But, you know, baby steps, everybody, baby steps. If you haven't walked through the courtyard um, in the daytime, You'll see nothing now because there's no electricity out there and the lights don't work, but um, it looks amazing out there. Uh, so we're excited about it. Man, this, is, this isn't Advent. Um, this is next week is Advent, but uh, we hung the greens today and we wanted to turn it on because it would have just been awkward. Y'all would all have been really sad. You come in and you see a Christmas tree and a wreath with no lights on. That's like the bummer of all bummers, right? It's like a Hallmark movie where the people don't end up together at the end. Worst thing ever. Um, so uh, a couple of things before we get rolling into this. You may have noticed the angel tree um, in the narthex when you walked in. We had 41 families that we were working with um, and Natalie was very nervous. She's like, I don't know if we're going to cover 41 families. I said, Natalie, we're gonna be fine. Um, they're all gone. Um, the first two services, all 41 family, 41 angels flew away. So what is on there is, um, our gift cards, uh, because there's some schools that didn't want to do families the way that we have traditionally done it. They want to do gift cards. And so we're working with about three different schools, four different schools. And so there, are, there is still an opportunity for you all as a family um, or an individual to, to go and get a gift card that will actually support a family. Um, but you don't go out and buy the little toys and presents in the traditional way that we've done. Uh, Live Nativity is coming on December 6th. Yes, I'm a fan of Live Nativity as well. Um, and we need, uh, we need a couple of wise men to stretch for some of y'all, but it's acting, right? Um, what's my motivation? Uh, we need a couple of wise men and apparently a King Herod, uh, I think. So we, all the kids roles, but we always will take more and more kids as angels and shepherds and whatever. Um, if you haven't seen our live nativity, we call it a live nativity because we have live animals. Um, and you never know what's going to happen when you have a camel. Um, on site. And so we're very excited uh, to bring her back. She is a female. Um, and, uh, and our white donkey. We have a white donkey, uh, which is awesome. Um, so uh, Live in the City is coming up. Uh, Natalie can help you uh, uh, about that. And uh, next week uh, is the first Sunday of Advent. And we're excited about that. Uh, and it's also step one of the growth track. So if you have not joined the church and you're like, you know what, I maybe want to hear more about who St. Andrews is and where they're going. Uh, step one happens every first Sunday and it'll happen next week, uh, December 1st at the 10 o'clock hour um, in the church offices right behind, uh, behind here. So how many of you remember what uh, next week also is? It's not just the first, somebody stole my cards. Um, not just first Sunday, but it's also what? Anybody know? Be Rich Sunday. Yes, it's Be Rich Sunday. Sunday, 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 and Be Rich Sunday. I'm very excited about this. Last week, we talked about being intentionally generous, right? We've been doing the series, Life, Money, Hope, God's Way Works. And we, we, every time of year, this time of year, we, we do a series on 
finances or giving or stewardship in some regard because it just comes up at this time of year. And, and so last week uh, it hit intentional generosity, being really planning and, and, and thinking about how we were going to be generous. And, and so last year we did a series called Be Rich and we did Be Rich Sunday where all the monies that we collected that week, not just in the offertory plate, but online during that week, we sent right out the door. It came in, you didn't give to a church, you gave through a church. And we focused on four different ministries, three local and one international. And we're going to do that again, December 1st, this next Sunday. And I talked about it last week to give you time to pray about and prepare for what you might do on, on December 1st. And I actually had a family call me on Monday and say, hey, Michael, we're gonna be out of town for Thanksgiving, but our family really wants to pray about um, Be Rich Sunday and, and what we can do. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You listen to me. I'm so like tears of joy where we at least one family listened to me. Um, if it was only the dad and he was bringing the whole family in, I was like, my heart was just palpitating with joy. Um, and I was like, that's awesome. Cause they, they knew they weren't gonna be here tonight when we kind of talked about um, the, the different charities. So the, the four charities um, are, I do have that up here. Uh, Blueprint uh, Ministries. Blueprint Ministries, there's three locals again this year. Blueprint Ministries is one that our youth has worked with. Uh, they went last year, they sent a mission team down there and we will do so again this year. But Blueprint Ministries is a ministry that was started by Dee Dee Sedgwick, who is um, a former United Methodist youth leader at University of United Methodist, where she spent most of her time. But she goes down, she went down to San Antonio, downtown San Antonio. And, and, and I'm sure you're aware that there are a lot of places in our city where homes are just falling apart and people um, are going to be forced out of their homes because they're just not livable anymore. And so what Blueprint does is they, they send teams into those homes and make them livable again. I mean, how awesome and amazing is that? And, or maybe they're, they're handicap accessible needs in there and so they help retrofit things like that. And so this is what this ministry does in our own city, which is a great thing. Uh, the next ministry we're focused on is Snack Pack for Kids. Snack Pack, our own Chris Williams, who is here at this evening's service. Um, Chris is the one who kind of really spearheaded that and brought it to us. It's a ministry that was started here uh, locally. And what it does is um, around communities and schools where um, there is a free and reduced lunch population. So kids who are, kiddos who are going to school who, who maybe they get the free breakfast or the reduced breakfast and also the lunch. A lot of those kids, that's the only meals they're gonna have that day. Um, they go home and they don't have food at home. If they do, it's horrible stuff. Um, and, and you would be surprised, you know, a lot of times we think, oh, well, not in our neighborhood. Yeah, in our neighborhood, um, there's quite a bit of this population. And, and so what Snack Pack does is um, it, it gives kiddos a backpack um, on Friday full of food that they take home for the weekend. Otherwise, there are a lot of kids who are going from Friday lunch to Monday breakfast without really eating. And so they take these backpacks home full of food and they have their food for the weekend and then they bring the bag back on Monday. And it's a nondescript backpack, just like everybody else has. And so what we do is we pack them and then we deliver them and, and it's such a great ministry. And we teamed up with, we tried to team up with Wilshire because we already had a connection with them, but some Presbyterian church is already sponsoring them. And, and so we looked at some of the other uh, elementary schools around and actually Northwood Elementary wasn't sponsored yet, which I found really shocking. But the reason I think it wasn't is because there is this belief that, oh, they wouldn't need it there. And yet they do. I think when we first began, and Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong with these numbers. Actually don't, just actually act, act like they're real. Um, there were 15 families I think that first um, were, were uh, seen as needful. But within just a few weeks of us being there, um, it grew to like 45 families. Is that about right? 
51 families, right? So, so there is a great need there. And, and what a wonderful thing that we can do uh, to be involved in that community. And we wanna take it from just kind of a, a, an anonymous dropping off of bags to a mentoring um, relationship later as we build trust with the school as an organization. So Snack Pack is a second one. The third one is Church Under the Bridge or CUB, as a lot of people call it. And Church Under the Bridge is a church under a bridge. Um, you should have all seen that coming, right? Um, when Haven for Hope was built, I don't know if y'all remember this, but when Haven for Hope was built, um, there, were, there were emails and phone calls that went out to nonprofit organizations, especially churches and ministries that were feeding and clothing homeless folks. And we were told to stop it. We were told to cease and desist all servings of meals under bridges and anywhere else, send everyone to Haven because Haven was going to be this haven um, for hope. But the, the problem is that didn't work. Um, the, the problem of homelessness is too big for Haven for Hope to handle. And so a lot of folks, and, and then a lot of people didn't even wanna go over there. They were scared to go and, and be um, taken into this institution. So churches finally said, you know what? You can't put Jesus in a corner. And, and they stepped out and they said, so we're gonna do this. And, and ministry started coming back and Church Under the Bridge is a great ministry that, that feeds folks down there um, all the time. We've sent multiple families uh, down there. It's a great family uh, experience and exercise that you can do where you can go serve together. You can cook a meal, serve a meal. And my son loves to do the dishes um, down there. He's a great dishwasher and he gets it from his father. That's right the men in the Crocker house wash some dishes. Um, you can look at your spouse and be jealous. Um, so, and it's, um, it's just something that, um, it, it is such a great experience for them. And then we've collected umbrellas for them, um, razors, uh, flip-flops. We did a flip-flop drive one month um, because, and I said that to somebody, they're like, why flip-flops? I'm like, well, think about it. If you're homeless, a lot of times they misplace their shoes and everything and they're transient, but carrying a flattened pair of flip-flops doesn't take up much room. Um, and so you can always have this little pair of shoes that you can put on. So Church Under the Bridge is a great uh, organization that we're supporting. Uh, and then the fourth one is an international mission and it's called Convoy of Hope. And it's the international one that we supported last year as well. And they, they essentially, they go into places that, um, that have had natural disasters um, or fires or earthquakes, I guess those are all natural disasters or some sort of big disaster. And, and they go in and, and they bring the things that you would expect in, in an organization to bring. They bring in water, they bring in food, they bring in generators, they bring in cleaning supplies, which are so important, but they do it all in the name of Jesus. Um, and they, they do it all with this bent towards, they don't go, I know you need some water, but do you know Jesus? And then, then I'll give you the water. No, 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 that's not how they operate. It's the fact that they just love Jesus so much and Jesus has called us uh, to serve in this way. So those are the four different ministries. There was a lot of ministries that, that we looked at supporting, but these are some that we have a, a relationship with already. And, and so that is Be Rich Sunday. And it is also Big Switch Sunday, as you, Chelsea, pointed out earlier. It is Big Switch Sunday where we are switching the service style times. Um, if you're a morning person, the contemporary service has been nine o'clock, but it will be at 11 o'clock. Uh, starting next week, the traditional will be at nine and this service will be at 5.30. Nothing, okay, good. I mean, yeah, yeah. some of y'all were really passionate about it. I thought you would have been a little bit more explosive um, in that. Okay, we can make it 7.30, um, so, so 5.30. So that is uh, next week, we're making that 
big change. And I don't, man, who stole my cards? Uh, so how many of you took some of those, um, those uh, cards last week? A little something extra to show you God loves you. Picture a business card in my hand. Um, how many of you took some of those cards last week? A few of you. How many of you who took them used them? Okay, not as many as who took them. That's okay. I'm going to encourage you right now. Of the people who used them, wasn't it fun? Wasn't it kind of fun to do something secretive and fun and just blessing someone else? So these cards, if you remember, and we have more because they were almost all gone last week. So many of you took some. Some people took a whole lot. Um, which is great, and we want you to take them, so we reprint it, and there's uh, another huge bunch back there. Um, but these cards on one side say, a little something extra to show you God loves you, and on the back side, it has our shield and says, and so do we. Um, and it, it's not, we don't want to preach about anything, we just want to bless somebody in a random, we want to be intentionally generous in a random way, right? And so you take these cards, and you get in a fast food line, and, and you pay for the car behind you, and you give this little card to the person at the window and say, hey, I want to pay for them and just slip this card in their bag and be done with it. Or maybe you're out to dinner or lunch and you just leave a big old honking tip for, a, for a, the server there and, and you just leave the card and you don't preach, or you don't say, you just leave the card and you just give them a great tip and you're like, hey man, God loves you, right? Or you figure out some other creative way uh, to do something. You mow your neighbor's lawn and, and leave it tacked to the door with another note that says, I'm not going to do this anymore, but please take care of your lawn. Um, so, I don't know, something like that. This is not a personal story at all. Um, and, and, so, uh, and so those cards, and we want you to use those cards, because this time of year, people a lot of times get hit from all many different um, places for charities and end-of-year giving and things like that. And wouldn't it be great just to leave some, a blessing for someone? Like, hey, I don't want anything from you. I just want to give you something, right? Um, how cool is that? And then the, the third thing we talked about last week is, um, in intentional generosity, is next week we begin our Advent series. And we're doing a series um, based on uh, Isaiah's prophecy of the names of Jesus, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. And so we're going to have four Sundays where we talk about those aspects of who Jesus is according to those names. And then on Christmas Eve, we're having three services, a three, a five, and a seven. Three o'clock will be traditional, five and seven will be um, like this. And, um, and, and I'm excited. I already have my sermon for Christmas Eve um, pretty well thought out and organized and stuff. I have no idea what I'm doing next week. Um, that's all right. I have plenty of time, right? Um, but we want you to invite folks because um, it's a great time where people are more receptive uh, to invitations to, to church. And the reason I go through all of those different things is, uh, one, you know, maybe you weren't here or maybe you're, you're not that one family who listens to me. Um, but, but two, uh, because it ties into this whole series that we've been doing. We've been talking about these things that um, it's not just financial matters. It's Yes, they have some financial implications in our lives, but man, they're much bigger than that. Man, they're, they're, they're ideas that can be really transformative to every area of our life if we allow them to. And today we get to one that is, is probably, um, for me, the, spoke, speaks the loudest. It comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 13. If you, you, know, you can follow along, there's Bibles in front of you or on your app or something. Um, Exodus is like right here. It's very quick. Uh, Exodus 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. You skip down a little bit. He says, you must present all firstborn sons and first, firstborn male animals to the Lord for they belong to him. A firstborn donkey 
may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or a young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I know what you're thinking. Exodus 13. Who doesn't love a little bit of Exodus when you're rolling into the Advent season, right? Who doesn't a little, especially as many of us are mules, like to talk about donkeys breaking their necks. Um, This is some weird stuff, but what it talks about is first. It talks about first. God sets up this. Now, previously in the nation of Israel, they've been slaves for 400 years. And God has brought them out of slavery and he's trying to set up these laws and these rules and these regulations in order to teach them how to be free. Like they come out from from having this identity for so long and they come into this new life and God goes, you're not ready for it yet. So let me put some boundaries on you. Let me give you some instruction so that I can then release you. And these are one of the instructions. Every firstborn son is mine. Every firstborn animal is mine. Either you dedicate it, you sacrifice it, or you redeem it. Now he mentions there the donkey and the lamb, right? Two different animals. And, 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 and why? What's the difference? Why does the donkey get treated so poorly when the lamb doesn't? Well, well the donkey's an unclean animal. There's rules and regulations that go into that, and the lamb is not. And so what God sets up here is the unclean must be redeemed by something clean. The unclean must be redeemed by something clean. So the unclean donkey, which is going to be very useful in the life that you have, you can keep it, but you need to redeem it through the sacrifice of something that is clean, like a lamb. Now picture that, and then let me ask you parents something. When you had children, did you teach them, or need to teach them, how to be naughty? Right? I mean, did you have to teach them how to be bad? Are all your kids are angels? That is so sweet and wonderful. That's great. In the Crocker house, we had some kids that knew what to do. You know, and so... I know some of your kids already, and I know some of you are just being quiet. <laughs> Maybe because they're too close to you or something, but, but, but kids just have this bent towards naughtiness, some of them more so than others, right? We, we come out, we had a baptism at the nine o'clock um, service this morning. It was great. She was this precious little Mills Bagnall, and she was this sweet little girl, and she had this great smile, and there's a wonderful moment. She was looking straight in my eyes and playing with my beard as I was about to pour ice cold water on her. I'm like, this is just, I said, I even told the congregation, I said, I'm just going to sit in this moment for a second. <laughs> Y'all talk amongst yourselves. She's just like these perfect little eyes. And then I just, boom, get the devil out of you with this cold water, right? She's, bah! And there is this idea in baptism that we're washing clean, right? That it's this idea that we're washing clean the sin that we were born with, the fallen nature of, of humanity. And so if we are born unclean, then that means there has to be someone who is sacrificed, who was clean to give us life and redemption. And this is, the, this is the story of Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn son of God. He is clean. And he sacrificed himself for the unclean. This is, right here is the gospel story. You need to, you don't even know it. And they didn't even know what was going to happen. 
They just saw all these laws and these rules and regulations that God is setting forward on this path for them to become free. The unclean must be redeemed by the clean. And it's the first that matters. It's the first that matters. Why? Because the first tells you where your heart is. The first tells you what's important to you. In Proverbs, it it says this, Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase or your income. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. In Exodus, a little bit later, it says, The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Now, the first of the first fruits, the, the very first you bring into the house of the Lord. Now, he's very particular about the word that is used there, and it's bring and not give, right? It's not the first of the first fruits you give to the Lord because give implies ownership. Give implies like it is mine to give to you. But see, what God is trying to point out here is ain't none of it yours to begin with. It's mine. And I want you to bring me the first part. I'm not even saying I want you to bring it all. I just want you to bring me the first. Now, I have to tell you that it takes great faith to do this. Think about this. If you have your your perfect sheep that comes and and, and you get nine others and and finally you have 10, you're going to give them one. That's not as hard as when the first one comes, you give him one and pray that nine others follow. It takes faith and trust to step out and to hear what God has to say, like, give me your first, bring it into the store. And let me show you how your vats will, will blow open with new wine, right? You know, remember the story of Cain and Abel? Have you ever thought about this? Because Cain and Abel, are, they both bring an offering to God Have you ever thought about this as kind of unfair? Like, oh, God's totally playing favorites. Because Cain and Abel both bring an offering to God. And Cain brings this offering from the land and Abel brings an offering from his herd because they're a farmer and a rancher. But Cain's offering is not accepted by God. Abel's is. I mean, does God hate farmers? All right, Eli's ranchers better? Um, I, I don't know. Here's the story and listen, if you can hear why. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did you hear the difference? Cain brought an offering. Abel brought the first. This is way before the law, right? I mean, this is way before Exodus was written. You have Cain and Abel, and Cain's heart showed where he put first. And Abel showed who he had first, because Abel brought the first to God. And Cain just brought what was there. Because that's the telling thing. That's what it really boils down to is, is where is your heart? Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And, and so you must look at, at what is that first? What is that first offering that you 
give. And, and in the church, this is a four-letter word, even though it has five. The tithe, right? I still think that joke's funny. It hasn't worked at any of the services, but I still think it's funny. And I'm going to keep saying it. It's a four-letter word, tithe. It has five letters in it, right? Because people don't like to hear that word and preachers don't like, some preachers like to talk about it way too much. Others are really scared to talk about it. And people are like, oh, all you gotta do is talk about my money. Tithe, 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 10%, 10%. Do you know there are some churches that get your tax returns and give you a bill? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that crazy? There's Jewish synagogues are pretty famous for doing this. They take your tax return, then they send you their statement. There you go. <clears throat> all right, lock the doors. The tithe must be first. And this is where all of this is leading for God. All of this first fruit stuff, all of this Cain and Abel stuff, as we bring it forward, this is where God is taking us. It says in Leviticus, and all the tithe of the land, whatever the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It's holy. That means set apart. It is set apart for God's use. Here, here's the thing. And I want you to hear this. It all belongs to God. All of it. He doesn't need any of what you have. The tithe isn't for him. It's for you and me. The tithe has nothing to do with the ability of God to do the work of the kingdom. Remember Esther? Esther sets forward and then she gets a little cold feet and she pulls away and God says, look, if you're not going to do it, I'll find somebody else. But this is for you your family. See, this is what the tithe is all about. It's not for God. The tithe is for us. The tithe is to show us what's first in our heart. The, the, the tithe is, is to help us zero in on who we are and who we understand ourselves to be. Th think of it this way. So say you're um, a landscape person and I have a big field at my house a few blocks away, no, nobody knows about it. You can't see it on Google Earth, but we have a really big field over there and it's really grown up very bad. And I need somebody to come in and clear it out. And, and I want some rows cause we're gonna start being city gardeners, you know? And, and I want you to come till up the land, do all this stuff. So I get you, you come over and we, we meet about it and, and we start talking about what's gonna happen. And, and you figure out all the cost and expenses you're gonna have. And we figure out a price of how I'm gonna pay you. And, and so at the end of it, after you pay for all of this stuff and your profit, the stuff you bring home is $1,000, right? Great, it's totally worth it to me. And, and so you go off about the work and you come back and you're like, hey, you know, pastor, it's all done. I'm like, great. And I go out there, I look at, oh man, I can't wait for Jenna to plant something because I certainly am not gonna get out there and do that. But, um, and, and, so I, and so I give you 10 $100 bills, right? I give you 10 $100 bills. What's the tithe on that? $100, right? Because it's $1,000. For those of you who couldn't do that really quick math there, 10 $100 bills is $1,000. And if the tithe is 10% that we said earlier, then the tithe is $100, but you have 10 of them. Which one is the tithe? The first one, right? The first one that leaves your hand is the tithe. Because what, what, what we have a tendency to do is we take these 10 $100 bills and we're like, all right, I got $100 to the mortgage. I got $100 to HEB. You've seen my son, $200 to HEB. You know, $100 to CPS. You know, just go on down the line. And you're like, and, and God, here's what's left. 
Because typically that's what we do is we give God the leftover. We, we try to, we figure out how we can operate with all this stuff and then, all right, God, I'm gonna give you this that's left over. See, see what it does is it, it says where our heart is. It says what's most important to us and it's God saying, hey, hey I need you to remember. I don't need your money. I need you to remember. Let me tell it to you in a different way. A long time ago, during this time, right? You have this family and this, this family are shepherds. And so they raise, cat, they raise sheep and, and they have all these little sheep. And it's, a, and it's a wonderful day. And, you know, the little kids that are growing up around all these sheep. And, and every time, you know, like there's this, this mama sheep and she's about to have a, a, a new baby and everybody gets really excited and everything. Oh, you know, this is her first one, her first one. And the whole family runs out there to see and they're all excited and dad comes behind and he grabs his knife on his way out and he walks out and everybody's watching and, you know, and here comes the sheep and, and it's a little boy who comes and, you know, little boy sheep and they're like, oh, this is so great. You know, it's just such a wonderful thing. And thank you, um, we're at Jordan, you gotta be up here for these things. Um, and, and so, you know, and just so excited about this. Oh, look, he's beginning to stand like Bambi, you know? Oh, he's so cute. And all the kids are just going, oh, I'm gonna name him Bob. And, you know, or I don't know, Joel, I guess would be more appropriate. And, and so, cause that's a Hebrew name. And, and so, the, and then the dad walks over and he, he, he picks the sheep up and he holds it by the back legs and just slices its throat says, thank you, God. You know, first of all, if you're the kids, you're like, don't mess with dad. Like, I don't know, I don't know what you did, but don't. But you notice and you watch. And, and then as you grow up, you see your dad do this time and time again, and you start putting it together. Man, every time there's a firstborn boy, dad kills it. And I just, I don't understand it. And then this kid grows up and he goes off, to, goes off to school and he comes home and he's learning. And dad's like, oh, I'm so happy that you're home and, and I wanna put you in charge of the books. And, and so he sits down and he's going over the books. He's learned so much at school. And he's like, huh, man, I don't know if dad knows that he's doing this. You know, I mean, we're ranchers. We're supposed to be producing these sheep and everything. And just, I need to, so he calls dad in. And he's like, hey, I don't, you know, you may not be aware of what you've been doing, but did, did you know that, like every time there is a, a, we have a sheep that has her first child or first little you and, and it's a boy, you, you kill it. And last year it was 75. Like dad, we're in the business of growing these things and this is really kind of eating into the bottom line. Why? And the dad goes, oh. Because see right after this right here in, in Exodus 13, God says, there will be a day when your son comes and asks you why. Why do you give the firstborn? Why do you dedicate this? Why do you go through this motion? And so the father's been waiting for the son and the son finally comes up and he goes, hey dad, how come? And dad goes, you know, we weren't always ranchers. We didn't, we didn't always live in this house and and have these fields. I know you and your sisters have grown up in this and this is all you know, but this isn't, this isn't what we always had. See, see, there was a time when we lived in another country and, and we didn't get to do what we wanted to do for a living. In fact, we had to do what someone told us to do. 
We got up when they told us. We started working when they told us. We stopped when they told us. We went to bed when they told us. We ate what they told us to eat. There was nothing that we could do that, that they didn't prescribe or order. We were slaves. And we were lost and hurting. But then God, in his powerful way, reached his mighty hand in. And he brought us out of that. I mean, he literally parted a sea so that we could walk across on dry ground. And we got to the other side and we just rejoiced and had this amazing experience because God cared enough for us to take us out of that darkness and bring us into a place of life. We weren't always like this son. And so every time, every time I sacrifice a firstborn, I remember, I remember the sacrifice that God did for me. I remember that time when we were in bondage and God said, no, 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 not my children. I don't do this for God. God doesn't need these animals. I do this for you and for me and for our family so that we never forget. You see, that story is our story. That story is, is how we operate. I was never in slavery in the sense that you would say slavery, but I was in bondage to myself and to the choices that I was making and to the path that I had carved and thought that I should be on. And I found myself in some dark, dark moments and some dark places trying to fight my way out of them. But it was only God who was able to reach in and to part seas and to bring me through. And, and so the tithe is a remembrance. It's a remembrance that I am not mine. All I have is from him. And he only wants a small part of it not because he needs it, but because I need to remember. Here's an interesting thing. There is one time that God says, test me. Every other time, you stay away from that kind of business. But God says, test me in this. It's in the book of Malachi. And God says, test me in this tithe. Test me, bring your tithe into the story. Bring it in, trust me, test me in this. And when you do, I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with such blessing, your storehouses won't be able to contain it. Test me in this. Test me in living a life of generosity. Test me in living a life of first fruits. Test me with the tithe. And when you do, you will find life and freedom that you have never experienced because you will remember that I am God and I am for you. The ushers are coming forward right now. And we're going to take an offering. If you don't come to church here, if this is your, like, we, I know, and I can't, I can't see all the faces, my eyes have 
we're not that good anymore. So I don't know if you're a visitor here and you know, if you are, you're welcome. We're so excited you're here. Um, don't feel obligated by this. In fact, nobody should feel obligated to give. It's an act of worship. It's something we do that, that, that is a worshipful experience between us and God. People ask me, why don't you do pledges anymore, pledge campaigns? Because it's none of my business. It's between you and your father. It's this act of worship that says, I remember there was a day when I was lost. There was a day that I was in darkness. And you said, not on my watch. I will reach in and pull you out of anything. And so this is an act of remembrance and worship. We pray, Father, that as you receive this offering, you would magnify it that through its power, others may know that they are loved by you, that there is not a dark place in this world that you cannot break into, not a spot that you cannot bring them back from. There is no slavery or no bondage that you cannot conquer. And Father, I pray that if anyone here tonight needs to hear those words, break through the bondage of the world, the lies of the world, the walls of their own creation so that they may feel your presence and your freedom like never before. Let them know that the firstborn son of God died for them. May they find freedom tonight. In Jesus' holy name.